0: Hello and welcome to the Caregiver Stories podcast where we discuss all types of dementia and hopefully share some caregiver stories along the way. My name is Kimberly Scott. I am a part-time caregiver to my mother who at age 65 was diagnosed with early onset dementia. In 2019, I started Caregiver Stories to give caregivers a place to tell their story when they are ready, continue to educate those who don't know about dementia, and what to do if their loved one is diagnosed. But most importantly, I wanted to get people talking and having a tough conversation about the what if your loved one is diagnosed, then what? Do you have a plan? I wish my mom and I had had that tough conversation before she was diagnosed. If you want to share your story or have knowledge about dementia and want to be a guest on Carrier Stories podcast, visit ThatKimberly.com to sign up to be interviewed and while you're there, you can pick a platform you prefer to listen to the, to the podcast on, whether it's iTunes, Spotify, Google, YouTube, Amazon, Alexa, SoundCloud, all those great places. My guest today is Deborah Schaus. Hello,
1: Deborah. Hello, Kimberly. How are you doing? I am doing just fine. I'm so delighted to be talking to you on one of my very favorite subjects in the world.
0: Oh, I'm very grateful for you giving me your time and sharing your very favorite subject in the world. <laughs> so, tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, your background, and what led you to do the work you do today.
1: Well, my mother led me into this. She, well, we didn't know at first what was happening. I just received a call from my father. I live in Kansas City, my parents were in Memphis. Okay. And one night I received a call from my father and he said, your mother and I are getting a divorce. And I said, what is happening? And he said, your mother is driving me crazy, She's not listening. She's saying the same thing over and over again. And he didn't know what was going on. We didn't know what was going on. Yeah. So I invited my mom to come up and stay with me for a while to give my dad a break. Uh And during that time, I saw what was going on. I saw my mom was very repetitious, she was constantly losing things, her purse was in the bathtub, she couldn't get ready to go places, and I could understand his frustration more. But I tell you, it took us a while to figure out what is happening and how do we support her mm-hmm. so that was the very beginning of my journey into dementia yeah. with my mom
0: when you went to go get her diagnosed was she okay one with you going to the doctor to do that and then once she was diagnosed did she know and you know comfortable with the diagnosis was she open with it is what probably a better she, word to ask
1: she was open in this way kimberly that that's a really good question My mom at one point said, your father gets so upset Hmm. every time I repeat something or I make a mistake. And she said, I wish he wouldn't get so upset. This is the way things are. And I just have to make the best of it. Hmm. So I love that was so helpful for me to hear her saying that. I'm not sure she fully grasped, we, none of us fully grasped what was happening. Mm-hmm. But what, what happened with my mom during her dementia, she had always been a person of great rules and judgment. And mm-hmm. she let go of that and became very playful and sweet. Mm-hmm. So one of my gifts, and, and that's what I made a vow to myself, I'm gonna stay connected to my mom throughout the process. And I'm going to look for what is good about this. And that's where my journaling, my writing really helped me. Oh, yeah. But one of the gifts was this new relationship with my mom, mm-hmm. a new, sweet relationship where she was playful and, you know, didn't care what I was wearing or any of yeah. those little things that used to bother her.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. That's It's great when you see that side of someone. My mom, sometimes she's okay with it and sometimes she's not, but it did yes. take a moment for my family to better understand that she's going to repeat the question a hundred times and you just have to continue to respond and answer. It took me about a year to get comfortable and still, you know, I go there every month, but I'm still learning. And it's because it's an ongoing process.
1: You know, I really appreciate what you said. And I think that being a care partner for someone living with dementia is one of the most creative and spiritual things you can do, because as you said, it's new every moment Mm -hmm. and you have to be so flexible. And one of my biggest lessons it took me a while to learn is go to where she is. (laughs) I kept trying to bring my mom back to reality. And that just doesn't work well for anyone. And I think when I learned to try to just journey to where my mom was, and if she said something I didn't quite understand, to ask questions or to try to engage in in some way, it was more relaxing for both of us. Have you had that kind of experience?
0: I have had the experience where I just continued to repeat myself. I find that when I get her out with me, Whether it's to go see a friend or to go on a errand, whatever, the more interaction that she has with people that she does not know, it teaches me things and helps me get comfortable with the uncomfortable of her repeating herself in front of others that might not know. My next step is to start asking her questions on the why. If I don't agree with it or, you know, I try to redirect things, Mm -hmm. which sometimes works and sometimes doesn't. So, you know, (laughs) yeah. So I think I'm not going to totally stop the redirection because it definitely helps in her not getting upset as much. But I think that maybe when the redirection is not working, I'm going to go ahead and try the asking of the questions. I just learned about that. (laughs) So
1: (laughs) Well, what I really appreciate is your openness because I think that's part of being a flexible care partner is being open and we don't know what to do. And I think that's one thing that often isolates people Mm -hmm. with dementia, their friends, their families don't know what to do. They don't have the best way to act. And I think we all need to understand that's okay. Yeah. Because the most important thing is that they get to be around the people they care about. Yeah. And even if you're, you know, just singing, humming a song together or doing an art project, we're sitting together, holding hands, you're together. Yeah. And embracing yeah. those new ways of being together is so important. Mm-hmm.
0: Absolutely. And being there in the moment, I definitely have gotten better at either being there in the moment or just including her in the moment, you know, giving her the option to whether she wants to go to the movies with mm-hmm. you know me and my nieces and my nephews, or she wants to, you know, go to walmart even though it probably stresses her out more you know because after five she doesn't want to go anywhere and she sits and watches television because that's you know so you use the word care partner i like that i like care partner (laughs) (laughs) where where did that come from
1: well several years ago i wrote a book called connecting in the land of dementia creative activities to explore together Uh and during that book i interviewed about 70 people from all over the world who were working with people living with dementia through using creativity, imagination, the arts. And I did a lot of research in trying to find out what is the best word to use. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, caregiver is a word used a lot. But I like care partner because there's two people and they're helping each other. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we as the person who is not living with dementia, we are learning so much from our loved one or friend who's living with dementia. And so it really is a partnership. Mm -hmm. And I like that thinking about it. It's an equalizer. And I think that's one of the things to find as many equalizers as we can. Absolutely. Uh, One of the things I like about the, the creative activities is that there's lots of activities like, you know, arts activities where you don't have to have any talent in art. You don't have to know anything. And Mm. often it's two people, you know, the care partner and the person living with dementia, trying something new together. Yeah. So they're equal. Yeah. And what's interesting is the person living with dementia often has more freed up creativity, is less self-conscious about, oh, I can't draw. (laughs) Yeah. The person who's not. Yeah.
0: My mom likes to do puzzles and when she's not playing tennis, we've tried to find other activities other than puzzles for her to do because, you know, or play. She also likes to play casino games, you know, and, and solitaire on her phone, which she can still remember to do. She's now getting into playing cards by herself, you know, playing solitaire. Yes. Uh, what other, besides crafts, because we did try the crafts route, but, <laughs> and I'm sure I'll read about them or hear about them in, in the audiobook, but Like, what's the most unique craft or activity that you found out there that people were doing with their care
1: partners? Well, there was just a lot of things. And I'm not sure, like, puppets were an interesting thing where, you know, people were creating a simple puppet and communicating with puppets. Because one thing that happens at some point for many people is they're not as confident and their verbal communication skills. Mm-hmm. But when you have a puppet on your hand, it's really interesting. It's really transformative. Okay. So there's a woman, a woman named Veronica Kaninska, and she uses therapeutic puppetry with people who are living with dementia. Really interesting thing to do. But an easy, easy thing to do is music. Wow. And I don't know if you've heard of the Music and Memory Program. Mm-mm. I'd love to tell you about that because this is an example of one person making a huge difference started by Dan Cohen in Brooklyn, New York. Okay. And what he started thinking about, what am I going to listen to if I ever get dementia? Uh-huh. And are people going to know my favorite songs? And what he discovered is we all have songs that just trigger us in a good way. Yeah. You when know, you've had the experience where you hear a song and it takes you back, you know, to your- yeah high school, your wedding. And so what he has a whole program that's easy for people to do, and it's on his website, Music and Memory, is to figure out people's playlist is what he calls uh-huh. them. And that's a song that has an emotional response from you, a good one. Mm-hmm. And you make a list of those and you put them on some kind of shuffle, you know, like an iPod pod yeah. or something. And for people who have sensory overload, they can just use headphones to listen to them. Yeah. Or listen together. Yeah. So it's a wonderful way to connect through music. Mm-hmm. There's a great movie about this called Alive Inside.
0: Mm-hmm. It's a
1: documentary. And it shows you the difference this music can make. Yeah. That's an easy thing for families to do together. We often invited even neighborhood kids who could play an instrument over to have a little concert, you know, just Mm -hmm. that social interaction. Yeah. And also just, you know, I like the way like your mom loves to play tennis and cards, figuring out ways to keep your people involved in their hobbies all the way through. So if they need to amend at some point, you figure out another way to do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And And then keeping involved in, like people like to have a little purpose, you know, mm-hmm. something. And so, I mean, one thing is like cooking together. So you're creating food for someone. Some people mm-hmm. really enjoy that. Yeah, Barney. There's a lot of things that you can do throughout the journey.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes. We don't like her to cook. She never liked to cook anyways. She was yes. more of a baker. So we just try to keep those activities you know, very minimal, if any, and so she's not really that jazzed about it, but definitely she has an Amazon show, so an Amazon Alexa show, so I talked to her every morning, but I did not think about you know making her a playlist. I showed her that she could ask you know Alexa what the weather is, yeah. and she remembers that and but to play music i you know want music that she really likes because she she loved to dance. Her advice was doesn't matter what the boy or the man looks like. All that matters is they can dance, Kimberly. Oh my, oh my gosh. gosh. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So I think that my next trip home, I just got back, but my next trip home I'm going to just start making notes of what songs really get her moving around and get her, you know, going back to the days of her going to dances because she's only 72 now. She was 65 Yes. 65 when she was diagnosed and
1: so um, you guys could dance together
0: <laughs> yes, absolutely that's where I learned to dance like to jitterbug and and to do different yeah she's latin so cumbias guridas, you know I learned from her you know oh, wow um, but the program you mentioned I'm definitely going to research that and figure out how to get her playlists on her alexa so she can just automatically ask for that music
1: I think that is I, a great
0: idea yeah 100%. I know you've said earlier you found that meeting your mom where she was at was the best. What other kind of advice I should say would you give to someone that they just found out that their loved one was diagnosed?
1: I think one of the biggest things is to take care of yourself. <laughs> yeah. And that is one of the very hardest things. But I think reaching out for help for yourself as well as for the person who's living with dementia, are both very important. I just was talking to a woman yesterday who has no relatives around, and she's just fried. And I was saying, have you you know, reached out to these people? She said, no, I thought it was my problem. Well, it's not. We're all a community. Mm-hmm. Everyone is impacted by this, and we should be giving our friends and families A chance to be part of it yeah one of the things I write about in this book is from John Zeisel and I love his idea of having a family meeting if you have a family or family and friends meeting with everyone including the person who's been diagnosed to talk about yeah how does this feel to you what does it mean to you what kind of help would you like how can each of you, family members, friends, how would you like to be involved? Yeah. And set that out so there's not one or two people doing everything. Yeah. So, But also people aren't doing stuff they're not comfortable with. Yeah. And having a chance to talk about it. So it's out in the open. There's no secrets. Yeah. No, it's just an accepted Part of life. And then you can start really supporting the person.
0: Yeah.
1: What is it? Like, one question I love is what is it you want to continue to do all through your life? You know, what are the things that are really important to you? One of my friends, her husband loves reading the newspaper every morning, loves having coffee and reading the newspaper. And so they have a newspaper, and every morning he reads it. And sometimes it's upside down, and sometimes it's not. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Yeah, <laughs> And that's what she had to learn. You know, first she's going, Oh no, you've made it upside down. Oh my goodness. It doesn't matter.
0: Yeah, leave yes. alone. Yeah. yeah, we had a family meeting. It didn't go that well because my brother was still in denial. Yes. Some family members or friends of hers take a little bit longer to accept that she really, it's not the same person, you know, even though it seems like she's fine when they talk to her that day or that moment that she's fine. My brother, it took him a while to get that she cannot go to the grocery store by herself because she cannot find her car. It's just what it is, you know, she cannot pay her bills by herself because like all track of time is gone, you know? So, you know, it's gotten better over the years, you know, but the very first year and a half, that was something I had to bring everybody together and it didn't go as well. It's gotten better now. He's accepted and my stepdad, same thing, you know, even though he was around her the most, he's better now. It still stresses him out. But I think reminding, as I reminded all of them that we're on the same team. You know, we want the best for her. We want to be in the moment with her and just enjoy the time we have left, however Mm -hmm. it looks with her. It has gotten better. When I don't get upset with them for being upset at me or her, I just meet them where they're at so that we all can meet my mom where she's at.
1: I think that's such beautiful advice, and you're right, you know, describing an ideal scenario, but everybody has their own way of looking at things. Some people can't take it. Yeah. You know, it is so disturbing to them. And this is where, you know, I remember when my parents were visiting and I had a party and my parents often came to visit. And they knew my friends, they often came to parties. Uh-huh. And I had a, some new friends there. My mom had been driving me crazy with this story that she had been telling like over and over and over again. But after the party, my friend called me and said, your mom is so interesting. Yeah. She told me the story of, you know, and sh- this is the story she'd been telling. And it stopped me because I thought my mom is interesting. Yeah, And it's a fascinating story. She was in World War II in Iceland. You yeah. know, very dramatic story. And I stopped and took another look at, Okay, let's figure out how to hear this story anew Uh every time instead of going, oh no, the story again. And so I think that's where kind of strange. We all have, you know, you're going through grief, you're going through all the stages of getting used to something new. Yes. Where a stranger coming in sees the person who's living with dementia as just the person in the moment Mm -hmm. and they're an interesting person and they're not. Going, oh my god, she forgot my name. You know, yeah. the family sometimes goes to, so I think having that mixture and then having like your leadership in your family is so impressive that you, you know, let yourself do this and eventually they are coming to understand.
0: Yeah, well, I get it from my mom, she- <laughs> she's a leader, huh? Um, yeah, she's the leader, and I feel that was definitely what threw us all off, but that trait is from my mother and she's a great mom. She still is, you know, she's still momly to us, even though there are things that she, I don't want to argue with her that she can't do anymore, but I just say, okay, I learned not to argue and she deserves the very best in her end years and our attention and, you know, the dignity part, the respect part, is something that was very important that I didn't realize the way that I responded to things. She felt I was being disrespectful, so I had to really check myself.
1: I still do, because. Yes, yes. I think it's confusing when you go from being, you know, just the daughter. Yes. New care partner and really looking out for your mom in a new way. Yeah. And balancing that back into you're still the daughter and that's yes. an important relationship. Absolutely.
0: Did your dad, how was the dynamic since your dad was still there with you and your mom,
1: you know, and? It and was, that? yeah, that was very interesting. First, you know, my dad kept everything to himself as long as he could. Okay. <laughs> and then finally, you know, he got ill and he was then ready to have my help. And I was very glad for that because I had a new relationship with my dad. Yeah. Who taking care of my mom was very deep. It was very wonderful. But in our family, we have me and my brother. Well, so my dad didn't usually listen to me. He listened to my brother. (laughs) He had a little team. Like I would say, Dad, you gotta take care of yourself. Dad wouldn't listen. So I would call my brother and you know, he'd say, What's happening? I say, Well, can you tell dad this, this, and this? Yeah. Him and he'd listen, so (laughs) yeah, I get it. You know, and normally in my everyday life, before that, I'd feel kind of irritated. My dad's not listening to me now. I didn't feel irritated, I just knew my dad was going through a lot. He's very devoted to my mom, he really taught me a lot about the power of love Mm -hmm. and showed me, you know, really what that looks like. Yeah, but it was hard for him. To grasp it all and admit what was happening. That was really, really hard for him. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It is. But at the end of the day, you know, what was important was your mom and you guys putting things aside to just be there for her, you know. That was it.
1: And I have one more book I want to tell you about because when my mom got dementia and I was confused and sad, all the feelings you have, Mm -hmm. I started journaling because I'm a writer and that was my natural thing to do. Uh And then I started writing essays. I wanted to document what was going on. Yeah. And those essays became a book called love in the land of dementia, finding hope in the caregiver's journey. That was years before the other book. And I was using the word caregivers. It's my story with my mom and dad, but it's a universal story about the stages of dementia and what families go through And so that's something that is a very cathartic book. It's filled with hope. And that's something that's been really important to me. If you just go to a medical lecture on Alzheimer's, most of the time, it's pretty depressing. Yes. And that's the tiniest part of it. Yeah. Because then you've got a vibrant, interesting person Mm -hmm. who is there, maybe communicating in a different way they may have personality changes, but the person you love is there. And then the amazing creative spiritual part is how do we stay connected? Yeah. Well, good for you for
0: sharing because that's something that one is very courageous, you know, going through that period and being able to share those stories with others so that they can learn. It's something that is absolutely needed because I was so overwhelmed that I took the advice of five friends, you know, it was a handful of them. Yeah. I don't know if the exact number that led me do this, do this. But even after that, when I stopped crying all the time, yes, you know, yes. <gasps> like, like when you Google, it's just very overwhelming. And so just sharing your stories, you know, I have found in the last five years, especially since I'm very open about going back and forth and being the part-time caregiver, you know, that people ask me, well, more of my friends are having, you know, someone in their family is being diagnosed. And, and so you sharing your story and building awareness is so important because people are not talking about what if, what if someone in your family that's very close to you gets dementia, you know, yes. is not able to take care of themselves, period. What do you do? Like yes. if, if there hasn't been a conversation and there isn't some small little plan, then you don't know. Like my mom, I didn't know that she had no life insurance cause she let it lapse. I didn't know I had to find all her bank accounts. You know, I had to find all these things yes. and you know, I know that she doesn't need to go anywhere. We have the resources in where she lives, but there will be a day when she can't live at home. And you know, it's just, you don't know what you don't know. So by you sharing your stories and you know, the many other people that have books out, because there are a lot of books I'm blessed to have gotten to talk to so many authors that have gone through this, that it's just, that's the way we learn. And there's more and more people that are being diagnosed. So with not enough caregivers.
1: And I think, and not just people who are writing books, sharing stories, but like what you're doing, making it an ordinary topic of conversation, there is such a stigma about this disease in our society still. And so the more we talk about it, the more we normalize it, the more we all get to be around people who are living with dementia, you know, then the more it seems like we want people to be woven into our society and to stay yeah. engaged and to keep teaching us absolutely 100 percent. well stated
0: <laughs> so deborah tell folks how they can get a hold of you if they have any more questions and where they can find your two books
1: absolutely i'd love to hear from anybody i have a blog that has a lot of useful information on it it's dementiajourney.org okay so love for you guys been doing it for five or six years. So I've got all kinds of activity ideas and, you know, ideas that are just practical and mm-hmm. inspiring both. And then we have a YouTube channel, also Dementia Journey with my name on it, Deborah Shales, with interviews with experts on the field of dementia, creativity experts. Mm-hmm. And we're doing a lot of work here in Kansas city with, Memory cafe. So, we're showing what that looks like, and you can get ideas from those to do either in your community or at home. Awesome! Oh, so, yes, and I'd just be happy to hear from people. And so, the email is very simple it's myinfo, Amazon Mom Y, I, and in Nancy FO, F as in Frank, myinfo at PO Box.com. Like okay but no periods pobox.com awesome
0: well I'll be looking up and having my mom's care partner (laughs) go watch some of those YouTube videos to learn and maybe even my stepdad because like I said it takes a village and it's a learning process you know and nobody's journey is is the same so I'm very grateful for you and I appreciate you for joining me today and sharing your story Thank you, Kimberly. It's been an honor. Thank you. And to the listeners, thank you for tuning in today. If you know somebody who could use Deborah's story, please share the podcast and all her social media. While you're sharing, please rate the podcast, if you will, on whatever you're listening to, whether it's iTunes, Spotify, Google, SoundCloud, Alexa, And until next week, remember sharing is caring and to those caregivers listening, take care of yourself so you can continue to take care of others. And to all those that have not had that conversation with your family about the what if something happens and they can no longer care for themselves, then what? Do you have a plan? Take it from a daughter with a mother that has dementia. I wish I would have had that tough conversation with her because tomorrow is promised to no one. Thank you.